You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Live from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On. The fundamentals are there for inflation, I think, for a while. We don't necessarily need free money and zero interest rates forever. Washington at this point doesn't want to add regulation to Bitcoin. Bloomberg Sound On. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. Let's look at the student loan debt, which is absolutely staggering. In my view, you can't spend enough on infrastructure. Given the size of fiscal stimulus we've already seen, this seems like a drop in the bucket. Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Live from the nation's capital, where the future of Afghanistan is coming into focus, for better or worse, as the Biden administration confirms the withdrawal of remaining U.S. troops, ending the longest war in American history. Coming up, we'll talk about what happens next, the resurgence of the Taliban, the risk of a civil war in Afghanistan and possible threats to America with Congressman and Army veteran Warren Davidson, Republican from Ohio, along with Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Sheehan Zeno and Rick Davis. Later, we'll talk to Bloomberg opinion columnist Eli Lake about all this. We do have a lot to talk about. Thank you for spending part of your Thursday with us here on Bloomberg Sound On. Who could have imagined in October of 2001 that we would still be in Afghanistan? Our military mission in Afghanistan will conclude on August 31st. The drawdown is proceeding in a secure and orderly way, prioritizing the safety of our troops as they depart. President Biden speaking in the East Room of the White House. You heard it live on Bloomberg, speaking to the drawdown of American troops in America's longest war. The United States did what we went to do in Afghanistan to get the terrorists to attack us on 9-11, and deliver justice to Osama bin Laden, and to degrade the terrorist threat to keep Afghanistan from becoming a base from which attacks could be continued against the United States. We achieved those objectives. That's why we went. We achieved those objectives. Though the White House says this is not a mission accomplished moment. Came up in the briefing with Press Secretary Jen Psaki even before the president spoke. In terms of plans uh, for the end, uh, uh, for our men and women uh, coming back, uh, I don't have anything to preview, but we don't, we're not going to have a, a mission accomplished moment in this regard. It's a 20-year um, war that has not been won militarily. Uh, we are uh, proud of the men and women who have served, uh, incredibly grateful. Came up as well, as I mentioned, toward the end of 
Joe Biden's news conference. No, there's no mission accomplished. How would you describe it? The mission was accomplished in that we get us, got Osama bin Laden and terrorism is not emanating from that part of the world. Let's get to the panel to start with insights from Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Sheehan Zeno and Rick Davis. Thanks to both of you for being here. Jeannie, is President Biden doing the right thing by ending this mission next month? You know, it's so hard to say whether it is the right decision. He made, I think, an impassioned plea today and one that I think he has been making for some time that we just have no choice. Either way, this was going to be a mess. Either we continue to stay there, and as the president said rightly so today, he passes this mess on to a fifth president, as you mentioned, 20 years later, or we pull out. And he is hoping in the pullout there isn't a humanitarian disaster. He's banking a lot on the Afghan troops, but Mm -hmm. that is something that he cannot control. And so he is making, I think, a, a rational decision. It's one a lot of his predecessors have wanted to make, but it is not going to be a good ending. This is the history of the United States in these limited wars, and it's not going to get better this time around. Rick Davis, you spent a lot of time uh, talking about this conflict and, in fact, advising uh, Senator John McCain throughout. The middle of this was a presidential campaign, of course. So you hear this line a lot. You know, the, the young kids who are going over there, many of them weren't alive, never mind remember 9-11. Is President Biden, is the Biden administration doing the right thing by following through on these withdrawal plans? Well, I can reflect certainly what uh, John McCain was saying during the, the campaign in 08 and, and, and the 10 years subsequent to that. And, and that was that Afghanistan is in our strategic interest. And it's in a rough neighborhood, Russia, China, Pakistan. I can't imagine uh, right now anybody doesn't think that's a hot spot in our relations around the world. And, and the fact is, um, you know, uh, Senator McCain took a point of view that said there is a way to secure our troops there, lend stability to the nation, not have to be involved in a direct fight of the war, but to have our strategic interests protected. And I think that's where he would be disappointed with this policy, because we're trying to have our strategic interests protected without actually doing anything on the ground to protect them. Rick and Jeannie, stand by. We'll be talking to Rick and Jeannie throughout the hour, but I want to bring in Congressman Warren Davidson, Republican from Ohio, former Army Ranger and former Screaming Eagle, an officer in the legendary 101st Airborne. Welcome, Congressman, to Bloomberg Sound On. Uh, Thanks for having me, and thanks for covering the topic. Well, I'll tell you what. As someone who has served in the armed forces, I wonder how this feels to you today to see the end of the line at the end of August. Is the president doing the right thing to follow the Trump administration's plans to withdraw here, or should there be a longer term, if not permanent, base in Afghanistan? Well, personally, I've been in favor of, in, of ending the mission in Afghanistan for uh, around 15 years. Uh, I think the exit's long overdue. Uh, frankly, when we did, as the United States did, kill Osama bin Laden, that's been a decade ago, and they killed him in, in Pakistan. So it was certainly easier to base the operation out of Afghanistan. Uh, so the base basing uh, in Afghanistan, you know, has merit, some presence there. Bagram is uh, a hard place to defend. And uh, the, the fact uh, of the matter is the mission there uh, going on as long as it has doesn't have a viable exit strategy. Uh, so there hasn't been a coherent strategy for the presence there for, for a really long time. 
So I think it's absolutely the right decision to end uh, this endless war. I want to ask you about our allies in Afghanistan, the interpreters, the drivers, and the many others who put their lives on the line, who truly risked their lives to help Americans. President Biden says we will do right by them. Our message to those women and men is clear. There is a home for you in the United States, if you so choose, and we will stand with you just as you stood with us. The Congressman, the administration says it is now offering to fly them out of Afghanistan, in fact, evacuate, as, as many, I believe, including yourself, have called for, but not to the U.S. The president says Congress would need to change the law to allow them to come here now. Do you want that to happen? I do want that to happen. I think that's uh, something that we absolutely owe the people that risk their lives. Uh, to help us, uh, you know, help us defend our country and frankly try to make things better there for us. They helped us accomplish our mission uh, there at a great peril to themselves and their families. And, uh, you know, Jason Crow's taking the lead. He's a, uh, also a former Army Ranger, Democrat from Colorado, and uh, he's the lead sponsor of a bill that we passed on suspension that would make it so the medical waivers could be done. They could get into the United States. They'd still have to do all the same testing that they would before. Uh, and then there's a second bill that we're pushing that would actually raise the cap so that we can uh, you know, accommodate them and their families getting into the United States. I mean, if there are refugees, we're going to help, and there are. Uh, who would be at the front of the line ahead of these people who've helped us? Do you worry that not everyone will take the offer? The president said only about half have accepted a ride out of the country to get on an airplane and get out of Afghanistan. Well, leaving your homeland would be a hard decision. I mean, yeah. I respect the people that want to stay and fight. We spent 20 years trying to help the Afghan government uh, birth their nation. I mean, you look at uh, the things that we've done to try to help them. Uh, thankfully, there are people that want to remain and make Afghanistan a, a great place. Uh, the vision that the Taliban has for Afghanistan should concern us all. Um, you know, there is a real risk that, uh, that, that they will become, once again, become a sanctuary for terrorism. And uh, our, our intelligence assets have to remain in place to be able to know that and detect it. We can't allow there to be any sanctuary for terror uh, that's going to strike America or our allies anywhere in the world. I just don't think we have to occupy Afghanistan for another 20 years to keep making that happen, just like we were able to defeat ISIS by not you know, putting uh, a large, enduring presence in Syria and uh, you know, western Iraq. We were able to defeat them and take all their terrain away without building this big uh, basing presence there. Yeah. And it's a much smarter approach to, to defeating an enemy. Congressman, I know there are not a lot of veterans in Congress, but I wonder, as I know that there is a collection of military veterans, and in some cases combat veterans, have very strong feelings about this, and in fact vote on legislation. Are veterans in Congress united to your view when it comes to the withdrawal and removing the interpreters effectively? I think uh, veterans are fairly united. I mean, there may be a couple dissenters on, on uh, taking care of the interpreters, but I think overwhelmingly, uh, you know, veterans support taking care of the interpreters. But we are divided in terms of what kind of presence we should have in Afghanistan. And frankly, a number of the veterans are kind of, you know, neoconservative, kind of the John McCain, uh, you know, Liz Cheney into the spectrum where, you know, they're, they're for more wars in more places. I mean, there was a point in time where uh, there were people like Lindsey Graham and John McCain calling for, you know, armored, uh, armor brigades to be occupying Syria. Thankfully, the Trump administration resisted 
some of those temptations, as did the Obama administration, uh, though there were calls for them. So, you know, there there are veterans on all sides of some of these issues, but I think the the consensus is clearly there that this mission uh, is is long overdue to be called uh, to an end, and uh, I hope we can move forward in a more focused way to protect America's interest, and we can do it with more economy of force, and that's exactly what we did when we defeated ISIS. In, Congressman in Warren Davidson, a Republican from Ohio, former Army Ranger, former officer in the legendary 101st Airborne. I want to thank you for being with us on an important day in our history, and thank you for your insights, sir. You know success when you see it, or you think you do. The people in the spotlight, athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Thank you, sir. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Thanks for being with us on Bloomberg Sound On. President Biden is standing by the plan to pull troops out of Afghanistan by August 31st. As we've been discussing this hour, you heard the president speaking from the East Room, making the argument that the Afghan government and military can stand on their own. They clearly have the capacity to sustain the government in place. The question is, will they generate the kind of cohesion to do it? It's not a question of whether they have the capacity. They have the capacity. They have the forces. They have the equipment. We're joined now by Bloomberg Opinion columnist Eli Lake. It's great to have you back, Eli. I haven't talked to you in a long time. And I know that you have some pretty strong feelings about this. I was looking at your column. Uh, I mentioned earlier that it was from hours ago. It's, in fact, from a little bit longer ago. Biden offers false hope to sell Afghanistan surrender, sanctions, the the subhead, and a Pakistan-based counterterrorism strategy you wrote will not defeat the Taliban. But here we go, Eli. The U.S. is leaving. Did you expect that to happen? Is it the wrong thing to do? Well, I, I don't know if I – I suppose I was hoping that he would change course given the news we're getting from the ground in Afghanistan as the Taliban are steadily marching through the country and taking over uh, what looks to be about a third of the country's districts at this point. And, you know, we're seeing lots of stories, and it's hard to judge with the Afghan military basically melting away, uh, very reminiscent of uh, the conditions under which ISIS ran through Iraq uh, in 2014. But uh, the bigger problem here is that, you know, I think that Biden completely uh, misstated, I, I would say he slandered American forces in some ways by saying that it's not for us. And I want to find this exact quote here. He said, you know, no, it's up to the people of Afghanistan to decide the government they want, not us to impose the government on them. That is a rewrite of history. It's a lie. Um, the Afghans held a lawyer jirga after the U.S. 
invasion in 2001, in which they agreed on a new constitutional system. There are regular elections. However flawed and corrupt the central government in Kabul has been, it has been an elected government and has made offers to the Taliban to participate in elections since it was formed. The Taliban, on the other hand, has attacked all elections and seeks to impose its clerical fascism on the rest of the country. The choice that the Afghans have made and continue to make is to vote for their leaders, which is what they've been doing. Um, and Biden is sort of like, hey, guys, it's up to you. And I think that that's a really dangerous lie uh, to sort of put forward that he doesn't seem to understand that the choice isn't between two different ways of organizing society, really. It's about whether or not Afghans should be able to be should choose their government at all. Hmm. And if the Taliban wins, they will be imp the ones imposing a system on that country, not, you know, well, they had a war and this is how it turned out. And I guess that's fine. If he wants to say that we've been there too long, it's too expensive, we have other things to do, there will be risks, yeah. it won't be pretty, I would have respected that. But he's trying to make it seem like we're just another empire that we were just trying to impose, you know, our way of doing things on these other people. And I just, I can't, I can't stand for it. I mean, it's not true. Well, I, uh, this came up uh, following his prepared remarks. One of the first questions the president got on whether the Taliban taking over is inevitable. Here's how it played out. Is the Taliban takeover of Afghanistan now inevitable? No, it is not. Because you have the Afghan troops have 300,000 well-equipped, as well-equipped as any army in the world, and an Air Force, against something like 75,000 Taliban. It is not inevitable. I know that's a slightly different wrinkle on the point you were making, Eli, but the president is saying that, that the people are protected by their own military. I don't even, I, I don't know, first of all, the numbers that he's giving, I, I don't know that that's necessarily true. When he said there were only 75,000 members of the Taliban, it seems like they have a lot more. There is, I think, some blame here in the way the president made this decision. Remember, he, in, he made this announcement that the U.S. would be out of Afghanistan by September 11th and April. That was in the middle of an Afghan policy review. He initially put this on the agreement that the Trump administration reached with the Taliban that the Taliban had breached in several ways, but most importantly, because there were documented uh, you know, the U.N. recorded this, that there were uh, al-Qaeda uh, members, you know, groups inside of Taliban territory, and that was part of sort of their uh, agreement, which is that they were, they were not going to allow al-Qaeda to continue to launch attacks and so forth. So the idea that the Afghan military is doing fine, has he been reading the news? There was just a group of, you know, unit of the Afghan military that just defected to Tajikistan. They seem to be melting away in every single one of these conflicts. There is a panic right now in Kabul based on all a lot of very good reporting uh, out of Afghanistan uh, and the government over there. And he's saying, no, 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 don't worry about it. And then later on says, I don't think that we'll have a central government. I, I can't imagine that there will be a single central government in Afghanistan. So he's also acknowledging that there will be some sort of Taliban statelet or something. Yeah. And so far, we've seen zero plan on a practical level about what this over-the-horizon capability is going to be to make sure that terrorist groups do not reform another safe haven in Afghanistan, which is 
you know, the most important thing. But, yep. I mean, again. We're out of time yeah. here, Eli Lake. I'm very glad to hear your insights. You're hearing some strong opinions on this program today about Afghanistan and the way forward, just like you probably do in your own neighborhood, in your own home, possibly. As we heard from President Biden today that they are sticking with the plan, withdraw all American troops, the complete withdrawal by the end of next month, August 31st, the date circled on the calendar as the president looked back on the last 20 years. We went for two reasons. One, to... You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Bring Osama bin Laden to the gates of hell, as I said at the time. The second reason was to eliminate al-Qaeda's capacity to deal with more attacks in the United States from that territory. We accomplished both of those objectives, period. That's what I believe from the beginning. And here we are now with Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Sheehan Zeno and Rick Davis. Rick, we were talking about this at the top of the hour here, and uh, you were discussing, of course, the opinions of your old boss, uh, former Senator John McCain. Eli Lake referred to John McCain and compared him to uh, Congresswoman Cheney, saying they were, they were neoconservatives looking for more wars in more places. You suggested earlier that it was John McCain's hope to have a longer-term presence there, and I thought you should react to that comment. Yeah, I think that you, you've got to look at it from uh, the realpolitik point of view. I mean, first of all, John McCain wasn't a neocon. There were parts of the neocon point of view that, 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 that embraced John McCain, but not the other way around. I mean, John was a practical guy. He looks at this region. He understood the need to do exactly what Biden claimed victory on today, get rid of Osama bin Laden and, 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 and push back on al-Qaeda. But he also uh, thinks that it's important in the U.S. strategic interests uh, in that region to have stability. And, and I think he would have been aghast at the notion that we would not only withdraw our troops without a um, uh, secure situation on the ground, which nobody thinks exists, but also to abandon a democracy uh, that now has uh, an active and, and flourishing, maybe flawed uh, outcome, but it's a democracy. And our allies, uh, Great Britain is stunned by the fact that we're walking out. They've lost blood and treasure too. And, 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 and they have a vested interest in the region. And without us, it leaves them holding the bag. And if we are truly trying to rebuild our allies around the world, you know, how, do we, how do we rationalize this with, uh, with, with them? Uh, are they going to follow us in the battle next time we do have another strategic interest? Yeah. What should this look like, Jeannie? Uh, you heard uh, the congressman a little bit earlier. By the way, Republican congressman 
Army veteran who supports this plan to withdraw. Congressman Davidson also said that while we will not have a permanent military presence there, we must have a, a, a long-term intelligence gathering operation. How does that happen? And would we be able to protect members of our intelligence community looking for evidence of terror attacks or any other plot against the U.S. there? You know, I, I think we will be able to do that. But, of course, the question that the president was asked today about the Capitol falling, which he said, you know, he does not see happening. He has faith in the Afghan troops that the United States has helped train and fund. Um, not a, not everybody feels the same way on that the president does, which makes our task in terms of supporting them to the extent that Congressman Davidson was talking about all that much more difficult. And so I think, you know, those are, are going to be big considerations for this administration. And, you know, one thing the president said, um, and you just played uh, this clip, was we went in there to take out Osama bin Laden and to eliminate the threat of Al Qaeda. He said specifically, we did not go into nation build. And to me, this gets to the crux of the problem. There was very little agreement when we went in there on what our goal was. And this is exactly what happens when the United States enters these conflicts without an agreement on what we're doing there. If those two were truly our goals, we should have been out much, much earlier. And I think the president, you know, he didn't start this war, but he's going to have to explain our getting out of it, our exit. I think he's going to have to deal with that question as to why we were there in the first place. And his evolution, Rick, on uh, this whole thing, uh, you go back 20 years and Joe Biden sounds arguably different than he does now. When we talk about, though, the, this this conclusive moment, there was no celebration today at the White House, Rick. There was, a, there was a mood in the briefing room and later in the East Room of being just very careful. There was kind of a delicate approach here. There clearly had been meetings, and you can tell me what you think about this, about the way this would play, about the way it played for the Bush administration, about the way it played for the Obama administration, drawing, withdrawing troops from Iraq. Everyone was being very careful to the point of even saying, we accomplished our mission, but this is not a mission accomplished moment. Yeah, I thought actually it was uh, an interesting um, um, allusion to George Bush's mission accomplished moment yeah. uh, to to say, look, that's not what we're talking about here. And and, and look, this is fraught with risk. Uh, and I think the White House truly understands that they they know that they've made a strategic decision to withdraw that may turn out to be the wrong decision. Um, that was certainly the case in the early withdrawal out of Iraq. We had to go back in. It was harder to regain uh, control of that country the second time than it was the first time. Uh, and so nobody wants to live through that. George Bush left office as the most unpopular president in our modern lifetime, including the unpopular Donald Trump, because he had to re-prosecute the war in Iraq uh, by a large degree. And so they know from history that this could backfire on them. And I think that that, that what they're hearing today is probably more concerned about the strategy than anybody saying, wow, that away, good job. And, and not mission accomplished. God knows what happened to that sign, Jeannie. 
That's right. Let's hope we've got rid of it for good. And I just wanted to put a plug in for anybody who happens to be on the terminal that that Hal Brands, and I say this not only because he's a professor at another institution, has a wonderful piece oh, yeah, out on does. this on the terminal called Afghanistan was a limited war with a limited victory. Very smart piece. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Looks like Google is going back to court as three dozen states file a complaint in federal court in San Francisco. It says Google used anti-competitive tactics to squash the competition, as I read on the terminal, forcing developers to use the Google Play Store to reach users, all while charging a fat commission up to 30% on app purchases. We get into it with one of the attorneys general behind the suit, North Carolina's AG Josh Stein. Welcome to Bloomberg Sound On. Thank you, Joe. Parts of your complaint make Google sound like something out of a mob movie, paying off Samsung to make sure it didn't develop a competing app store, buying off developers to keep them from selling games on other platforms after Epic took Fortnite for a ride. Am I pushing this too far, or or is Google completely out of bounds here? Well, Google is not within the lines. The we have laws to protect consumers and to ensure that companies that have monopoly power don't abuse that power to our collective detriment. And we allege that Google is doing just that. You can't get a non-Apple phone that doesn't have Android as the phone operating system. And then it favors its Google Play Store. That's where everyone goes to download apps on an, uh, an Android iPhone. And when you do that, more than not, by the way, more than 90% of all downloads happen through the Play Store. They require to use their, their payment system in which they charge 30% when a typical payment processor is about 3%. So every person who's paying for any app or any purchase within an app, an in-app purchase, is having to pay the, this exorbitant rate. And so Google is using its monopoly power unfairly to hurt people, or hurt consumers, and we want to get them back in compliance with the law. Details of the, the payoffs that I mentioned were blacked out in the complaints. You know a lot more than you're even telling us. Uh, correct. There are things that we got through uh, the discovery process that involved certain confidential business uh, information of Google that we couldn't put in the public complaint, but the, the judge will be able to read that. I'm sure that's true. What do you want to see happen here? Is this about restitution or Google changing its behavior? It's both, Joe. We want we want there to be competition. We want cust- when there is competition, healthy competition. That's when you and I and American consumers benefit. So we want there to be competitive uh, app stores. We want there to certainly be competitive payment systems so that people can don't have to waste all this money uh, paying Google. It can uh, the more money that can go to paying the developers will actually go to increase innovation and have them come up with new and better ideas that serve uh, what it is that we want. So we want changes to their business practice, but we also want consumers who've been paying too much for too long to get their money back. And that would come in form of in, in the form of, of an actual payment checks to consumers? Restitution uh, very likely could just come in the fact of a, of a charge back because people are paying for these charges through typically their credit cards. 
So Google knows every single customer who has paid their 30% fee, and we could come up with some way for them to just give folks credit. Uh, so it, it should not be a paper-intensive process. We're talking with Attorney General from North Carolina, Josh Stein, about this lawsuit against Alphabet, the parent of Google, but it has to do with Google's own behavior. And we're talking about over 30 states in the District of Columbia uh, being involved here. I know you're a Democrat uh, attorney general. Are you concerned at all that the many lawsuits that have been posed against Alphabet, including the one just yesterday by Donald Trump, will confuse matters here? Uh, It won't confuse the court. It, It may confuse the public. Uh, the lawsuit that the president filed has absolutely nothing to do with the case that we brought. Uh, in fact, we had no idea he was bringing it, and we'd already set in motion our uh, efforts to file our lawsuit. Mm-hmm. And when you look at what our case is, those 37 states in the district, it is completely bipartisan. The leadership group, for instance, is Utah and Tennessee both of whom are Republican AG-led, and New York and North Carolina, both of whom are Democratic AG-led. So this is not a partisan issue at all. It is simply about enforcing state and federal antitrust laws so that you and I don't pay more than we should. Have we heard from Google on this yet? Yeah, they don't agree with us. It'll shock (laughs) you to know that they see the world differently, uh, but that's fine. That's why we have courts, and we're going to aggressively litigate our case, and, and we have confidence that our uh, what we're doing is the right thing for the American public. Uh, how long of a timeline are we looking at here in this case? Do you have a sense of how long this will take? I really don't. These cases can go on for a long time. I mean, the Microsoft case, antitrust case, went on for 10 years. That was a nightmare, and we don't want that here. Um, I sued Juul, the e-cigarette company, and it took about a year and a half, two years to resolve. And frankly, for a major case like that, uh, it, it, that was I was pleased with that turnaround time. So we'll see. It'll take as long as it takes. But these companies, the big tech companies, are massive, and they have a growing uh, role in our economy and our lives. And look, I use Google. I think Google offers incredible services, and I I want them to succeed as a business. I simply want them to comply with the law and stay within the rules of the road. North Carolina's Attorney General Josh Stein, many thanks, sir, for being with us today on Bloomberg Sound On. Shares of Alphabet, Google stock down 1% today, just over 1% to 2503. Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Sheehan, Zeno, Rick Davis back with us. Isn't it funny? Well, it's not funny. We were just talking about a Google lawsuit yesterday, and that's the one uh, filed by Donald Trump. But, of course, the company is already fighting lawsuits over its search, over its digital ads. Jeannie Sheehan, Zeno, this company could look different, I suspect, by the end of all this. But we're talking about a very massive, very powerful company. And, you know, the attorney general got to it. Google's stuff works. That's why people like it. That's right. And and he said, and, and, and we all can agree with this, is that we all use it. But the point is, as he and the other attorney generals have said, that they want it to be operating within the law. And so, you know, I think Google could look different at the end of this, but this could also be a long process. And as we consider the president's, you know, filing of the lawsuit that we discussed yesterday, you know, I do hope that the public isn't confusing the two. I think the attorney general made a really important point. The 
the state attorney generals are a bipartisan group. This has nothing to do with partisan politics. And so I think these two lawsuits hopefully don't get conflated in people's minds. Well, that's the, I guess, the concern here. And, you know, Rick, these fang companies, in this case Alphabet, they're, the, they're bigger than some countries. They have massive lobbying power uh, here in Washington and around the country for that matter. Is this lawsuit going anywhere? You know, this lawsuit is going to get traction. You get 37 state AGs uh, working together. That's a lot of momentum. That's a lot. And, and, and the other thing is, we talked about this yesterday, you know, in, in Donald Trump's efforts to try and use the anxiety related to big tech to his advantage. Well, uh, these attorney generals have that wind at their back, too. Um, uh, people can't really put their finger on exactly why. In some instances, they have anxiety about big tech, whether it's privacy or charges, uh, you know, monopolistic behavior. But it's definitely uh, uh, a very difficult situation for these uh, tech companies to be fighting regulations on Capitol Hill, state regulations, AGs, uh, former presidents, all of whom are going after their their reputations and their finances. And so. So it's say just this good is politics, then. Long-term conflict. It's it's great politics because both parties, as he described your uh, interview with uh, Attorney General Stein. I mean, you know, they have as many Republicans on this suit as they do Democrats. This is no longer a partisan divide. This is actually what unites uh, Republicans and Democrats. And in the in the world that we live in, very few things unite them. And so this one's not likely to go away anytime soon. Yeah, that's for sure. But also to that end, Jeannie, if it's good politics, if everybody's hating on the fang companies, the big guys, too big to fail, it doesn't matter if you win, just file the suit. That's right. And we should note this is the fourth state or federal antitrust lawsuit filed against this company since late last year, since about the fall of last year. So they are coming under increasing attack from all fronts, as Rick mentioned, Democrats, Republicans, the states, the federal government. So they are under attack. It is good politics, but it's also something that I think Google, as much as they and I read what they responded to this, they obviously yeah. don't agree, but it's something they're going to have to take very seriously. Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Sheehan Zeno and Rick Davis. Always a pleasure to spend some time with you guys as we have gone from, we've covered quite a bit of ground here from Afghanistan to Alphabet, but that's, uh, that's the way it goes here in Washington. Thank you both for being with us. Tomorrow on Bloomberg Sound On, another special conversation. I'm looking forward to speaking with Congressman Jake Auchincloss of Massachusetts. He holds the seat that was once held by Congressman Joe Kennedy and won that special election up there when Kennedy went to run for the Senate and, of course, did not win that race. But Congressman Auchincloss is a Marine, served in Afghanistan, fought in Helmand province. And I suspect we'll have a lot to say about the conversation here of withdrawing troops. You know what else is going on this weekend? We're going to talk about this tomorrow as well. The big launch and our special coverage on Sunday. Branson to space, Virgin Galactic. We'll light the torch a little bit early here tomorrow on Bloomberg Radio. Hope you'll join us. I'm Joe Matthew. I look forward to seeing you. By the way, it'll be Friday. This is Bloomberg.
The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.